Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up and take on the most exciting Broncos draft-related questions and information that there is. This show's focus is all things NFL draft that pertain to your Denver Broncos. Please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as share us on Facebook and Twitter. We know that there are plenty of Bronco draft nuts out there who have a strong passion for the NFL every April. However, to grow and reach more people, we will need your help. Rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Well, Nick, let's dig into episode three of the Huddle Up podcast. All righty, let's go. <laughs> All right. Are you, are you back from Indianapolis now? I am back safe and sound in Iowa City and you know, made the safe trip. Uh, not too long of a drive from Iowa City to Indianapolis. So glad to be back. Uh, long weekend, but a lot of fun, and I feel like I learned a lot. Well, good. For those of our listeners that don't know, uh, Nick was able to have the great pleasure of being at the Combine this last weekend, and I, I just wanted to start off this podcast just taking a little time to, to ask you some questions about that, because for us as, you know, as fans, we don't get that opportunity. Um, and so just getting an inside view of what's going on and how it all runs and you know what we see on TV is probably a little different than what uh, you experienced. Yeah, um, it's a little different than what the fans see. Actually, it's a lot different. On NFL Network and ESPN and all that, they're showing the uh, the field drills. And from where I was sitting, I didn't get to see the field drills besides on the TV like you guys. Instead, I am in the Indiana Convention Center for the entire time. I didn't even go to the stadium where the drills were taking place. And I'm cramped. Not cramped. It's a gigantic meeting room where uh, – the media is all gathered, you know, preparing for the media sessions. And then somebody that's working for the combine for the NFL comes in half an hour early. It seems every time, which is good and bad. Cause I mean, why wouldn't you just go when you say you're going to go, but they come in, players are going to interview in five minutes. You grab all your crud as fast as you can head on down the stairs and around the corner and get in the media room where they have, I believe it was nine podiums set up and 10 tables. So you go in there with your, I had my iPhone and my notebook, which I had notes and uh, prepared for that. And I talked with a few guys at uh, scout.com and we split up uh, players that we were interested in. And if I didn't have anybody, I was, you know, totally crazy about getting some video of, then they'd say, okay, well, we'd like you to get some video of this guy. So then I'd have some questions prepared for them. And if it wasn't too much of a swamp, I would get a chance to, you know, look them in the eyes and ask them a couple questions. Some of them I ask were, uh, you know, some people like the softball questions, but I actually asked a couple that were, I don't want to say they weren't well-received, but they definitely were some of the harder type of questions, you know, the type of questions that teams would be asking. Specifically, I talked to uh, Malik McDowell and Montrevious Adams about their motor and work ethic. So, yeah, it was uh, a lot of fun. It was really just an interesting experience to be that close to the players. I mean, you really, you know, you, they don't really seem like people sometimes when you're, you know, watching the game or whatever, but to be right there, you know, to see them smiling and talking like directly to you really uh, 
humanized a bunch of those guys that you've you and I have both spent hours and hours watching film on and dissecting their every movement and get off and balance and leverage and speed and everything. So it was a lot of fun. Well, good, good. I'm glad you had a great time, man. And it was exciting to watch your videos. That was something I didn't know was that they had tables for other players, you know, on NFL network, they always show just the guys that are on the podium. And, and so getting that kind of inside look into some of the other players and, and the interviews that they go through, that was kind of kind of neat for me to get to watch some of your videos on that. Yeah, no, that was pretty. I think it might have been different this year. I don't believe they had it set up the way they had it this year and years prior. It made it much more streamlined, but it made it that you weren't going to be able to see everyone. Like there was guys that I really like as prospects that because I wanted to ask a question to Elijah Qualls or something, I didn't get to talk to them. A uh, guy that I wanted to talk to was, you know, DJ Jones and Nazir Jones and some of those defensive linemen, uh, Eddie Vanderdose. And just because you have about 15 to 20 minutes, it's a 30-minute slot, but you don't get that long. You have about 15 to 20 minutes to talk to three guys and get video of three different guys. And also, I'd you know, try to get some pictures of some of the guys myself for my phone just so I could remember being there. Had to get that, like Miles Garrett. I took a picture of Obi Melifonwu, too. I must have done some good luck for him, I guess, because he killed yeah. it today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, maybe one of the top five combine performances of all time i mean we, i was talking to you a little bit about today when i watched first watched his film back in the end of october and i was like holy crud this guy is a baller nobody is talking about this dude he's huge he moves well listening to his coaches speak about him he's i think he's a 4.0 or at least close to it a uh, leader on and off the field and i mocked him to denver as the sixth or seventh round. This was back in November. These November mocks are obviously useless. They're more about introducing players than they are guessing correctly. But yeah, I wrote a mock and I had Obi Melifonwu to the Broncos saying, hey, this kid's going to be rising up here soon. I think he's got some great tape and great tools. And I mean, he's a first round safety now, I think, after what he did today. Yeah, I would be shocked if he doesn't go in the first round now. And that's something to always to keep in mind is, is whenever anybody's looking at big boards or anything like that or top 50 lists, you know, especially back in like November, December, those things are going to change so much, especially now that we got combine numbers and everything else. So guys like, you know, Alafalu and uh, Forrest Lamp is another one uh, that you and I've talked a yeah. lot about. You know, those guys were undrafted, unheard of guys, and now they're first round consideration. Yeah, so it's, it's a long draft process and the evaluations, you know, you're always taking more info, but those early mocks are more just talking about guys that, at least when I do them, about prospects that I personally like and would like to see them as a fits on the Broncos. I guess it's also validating because, you know, I use like other big boards like Walter Football or CBS or Draft Tech or, you know, other sites to uh, see if, you know, to validate where I select some of these guys. And obviously, you know, they're not totally up to date. But when you pick, you know, guys like Obi Melifanu and Forrest Lamp in the sixth and seventh round that early on when the rest of the media is really low on those guys or not on them yet. And then you see them skyrocket up boards after, you know, it only takes a couple guys and all of a sudden there's eyes on them and poof. So it's validating, I guess, in a little sense, because it means that what I'm seeing on tape or what we are seeing on tape is correct. We're not over assessing or anything like that. We see talent, we're assessing it properly. And uh, if there's any teams out there, give me a call. No, give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you. Um, did you get a chance to talk to any anybody? Not players wise, but I mean, maybe coaches or GMs or uh, media people connected to the Broncos. Anything like that? 
Well, I wanted to get a chance to uh, talk to Cecil Lammy, Chad, the uh, publisher at Mile High Huddle. He uh, told me he was a great guy to talk with, but unfortunately Cecil was only there uh, Friday when I was there. He wasn't working with the defense. I think he's there for the Christian McCaffrey hot takes. So I didn't get a chance to see him, but uh, he was he was there. Um, I didn't talk with him. I talked with some of the Broncos TV people. I recognized their faces from some of the just the, the videos I've seen. I talked with Andrew Mason and Mike Kliss. Andrew Mason, man, I have I have a newfound respect for that guy. He he really knows his football. I mean, he's a football junkie. We talked probably 25, 30 minutes, just prospects from last year's draft class and this year's draft class and the quarterback controversy. So he was, I have a newfound respect for Andrew Mason. Not that I didn't like him before, but like it's different when you can actually, you know, sit down and talk some football with some of those guys. Yeah. That's, that's what we kind of forget sometimes is just how much a, a football junkie these guys are just like us. So it's, it's, it is exciting to hear that, you know, he's like that and glad you got a chance to talk to him. Yeah. A couple other guys, just a couple other cool stories. I was sitting there working on a, uh, a Jared Evans story. You know, he's a guy that we mentioned last podcast could be a potential late round quarterback for the Broncos, just given his uh, similarities to Lynch. But I look up cause I hear two guys talking about how badly they need cornerbacks and I see uh, Dom Capers and Dick LeBeau talking. So just uh, Dom Capers is the defensive coordinator for the Packers, and Dick LeBeau is the legendary uh, defensive coordinator. He's with the Titans right now, but he was with the Steelers for, gosh, years, years. Yeah. And they were both kind of busting each other's balls about how badly they need cornerback, and hopefully the, the other guy doesn't steal their cornerback and blah, 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 because both those teams really need help in the secondary. So yeah. that was really cool. Well, I think they'll be okay in that area for the draft after today's – combine man that cornerback oh, and safety groups i mean that that's just this might be one of the best and deepest groups i've seen for that position i mean you got guys like cordray tankersley who people haven't really been talking about who i think he ran a 4-4 today did he run a 4-4 something like that 4-4-4 i think maybe and i think uh king from washington ran a 4-4 yeah yeah there, there's a lot of four fours today and those are big guys. Those are guys who are 6'1", 6'2", and normally those big guys, you know, you see them running 4'5", 4'6", going to be stuck more in a zone scheme. And we had some just huge dudes running. It was incredible. We also had a couple flops, uh, Tease Tabor. Yeah, just in general, what a secondary class this year. I mean, yeah, gosh. I know Denver is pretty set in the secondary, but if talent falls to you, scoop that guy up. I don't even care. Yeah, one of the the main Bronco people today were on on Twitter were talking about that the Broncos are looking high for a cornerback or safety in this draft. So I, I I think they will in the top three rounds take a corner or safety. Yeah, both the uh, the secondary guys that I actually got to dig into a little bit and talk with were uh, Witherspoon from Colorado and Marcus May from uh, Florida. And Denver had spoken with both of them, and both those guys are probably third fourth round maybe second for may depending on his pro day so i would i would not be surprised at all if denver took secondary much earlier than people think yeah well i I wasn't believing you but you were right on witherspoon you you told me a couple days ago that he was going to blow up at the the combine and yeah his name is all over the place on social media yeah and he was also he was a guy that i interviewed that i mean just talk about a sincere happy energetic player a lot of fun and one thing that I love talking about him is that he attributed his skills as a bigger cornerback and the reason he's so fluid at his size to soccer. And that just makes perfect sense to me. I mean, you see these 
dual athlete guys, you know, just focus on football, but there's uh, cross-disciplinary skills, especially from, you know, the secondary and skill position players from soccer with how much you need that foot coordination and agility. And for a defensive lineman, a guy who I talked with and interviewed and asked him about, you know, another cross-disciplinary question, Dalvin Tomlinson as a wrestler. So I love those secondary or the skill position guys with their soccer and the uh, trench guys with their wrestling just because of leverage and hand fighting and everything. Right. Yeah. No, those are always great things to have. And and the more uh, versatile you can be, you know, the better you're going to be, especially when you get to the NFL. So that's that's great to hear those things about those kind of players and, and get a little more inside info, you know, of how they've become the player that they are. And uh, so, yeah, I just I appreciate you being there. And uh, it's been fun watching all your videos and um, just seeing your experience. And, you know, hopefully maybe next year you and I'll both be there or something. Um, That'd be exciting. So that would be a lot of fun. If I went back again next year, things I'd do differently is I would probably I would like to have a teammate there, a partner, so we could split up some of the prospects. And the first day, I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, but after that, I kind of had an idea. But the first day I was just working on getting some articles ready. But what I should have been doing was, you know, selecting three, four players, getting two or three questions written down for each of them, and then going there to talk questions or ask them those questions. I also would have liked probably a little better camera and a tripod. Uh, there is a lot of people with like pretty nice cameras that they set up with tripods. So it's not as, you know, bouncy. And that way I would have my hands free so I could actually look at my notebook. Overall, a very positive experience, a lot of fun. I got to stay with my sister who lives in Indianapolis. Alyssa, hi, if you're listening. (laughs) And that was a lot of fun as well. And uh, drove with my girlfriend because she has a better car than I do. So, (laughs) you know, got to make sure that five hours. She's also lovely company. Yeah, (laughs) that's good. (laughs) Yeah, got it. You're lovely company, Natalie. Um, But yeah, it it was a lot of fun. And I really hope I get a chance to do it again next year, a little bit wiser and a better idea of what I'm doing and making some more connections, you know, handed out some business cards, spoke with uh, some agents as well, which is a lot of fun. And just, it's crazy. You walking around downtown Indianapolis and you're like walking by like, Oh crud, that's OJ Howard. I was actually meeting with an agent and talking about, you know, how Evan Ingram and uh, Njoku, you know, might push OJ Howard a little bit with how good he did at the combine. And the agent's like, dude, be, be careful what you say. OJ Howard's parents are right behind you. I was like, oh, crud. He's <laughs> right there. Yeah, he's he's not a guy I want to mess with. Or I'm guessing his family is not people I want to mess with either. But yeah, he, I think he still did plenty to, to keep his spot that was top of the tight end class. I agree. I agree. And I think he will probably go before 20. But there's a good chance that he might be there for the Broncos at 20. So I'm a fan. Yeah, you and I both. I mean, that's the guy that we've had at the top of our list for for quite a while of realistic players the Broncos could get. Yeah, agreed. And he showed out, you know, this is just such a freak tight end class. This is the best tight end class I've ever seen in terms of athletes. There's a lot of more of the move piece guys rather than the inline, you know, blocking two-way tight ends. But I think that's what we're going to see now more in the NFL with the uh, the revolution of the spread offenses all across college football. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's that's exactly where it's heading. And uh, that's that's fine. I mean, that's the evolution of the game. That's how it goes. Yeah, I agree. But at the same time, gosh darn it. Mamas, let your babies be blocking tight ends because we need them still. We need those big guys who want to get dirty in the trenches. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, to me, the, the top two tight ends in football, you have Gronk. And he's one of those inline blockers. I mean, he can get in there and, and take on anybody. That's that's an underrated part of his game. 
And then, of course, we have uh, yeah, Fake indeed. Gronk from KC, as Von Miller likes to call him, Fake Gronk. You know, but he's another one. He's in there in the trenches, and he loves to block and get in and, and get busy. So, you know, to me, if you have that kind of player, it's a special talent to have on the field that you just don't know if the running, passing, what's going on. It's just it's, it's nice to have. Agreed. You still win football games in the NFL by being bigger and stronger than the guys in front of you. And if you can run the ball and win in the trenches, and that includes with your tight end, you're going to win more games than you lose. So, I mean, you've got to love these, you know, move tight ends that are coming in just because they're such incredible mismatch weapons. You know, you got Jimmy Graham and Jordan Reed. When, they, when they're healthy, they're incredible. But I still want a guy who's physical at the line of scrimmage and blocking. You need, you need at least one of them. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, it's, you got to have somebody there. I kind of want to move on here just a little bit and just talk to you a little bit about when you are doing draft evaluation – how much does the combine really matter to you? Well, I have a, I guess, allotted formula when I watch film and assess prospects. And I would say that combine numbers are more about thresholds. It's not about the guy who has the fastest 40, but a slow 40 is going to rule out some guys or knock them down my board. You know, it's just thresholds. It's not the top. Like if you have a cornerback who runs slower than a four, six, you need to look out. That guy's not going to be, you know, a man corner, probably in the NFL. He's going to have issues sticking with guys and he should be knocked down, but anything faster than a four, four, five. I mean, that's plenty fast. And it also matters based on their, uh, their size as well. If you're smaller, you have to be faster. Christian McCaffrey running. What was it? A four, four, eight. Yeah. Four, four, six, four, four, eight. Yeah. That four, four, eight. That's good. Don't get me wrong. That's good. But Leonard Fournette at 40 pounds heavier running a 4.51 is far more impressive because that's just, it's all about what you can do at your size relatively. So if you're smaller, you have to be quicker if you're going to last. Yeah. So I would say that combine is probably about 10% of my total evaluation for prospects because you're more likely to be a great NFL player if you are a freak athlete. <laughs> you see that with Julio Jones and JJ Watt and Von Miller and Cleo Mack, you know, Aaron Donald, the best players are freaks but just because you are a freak doesn't mean you're going to be a great player so film evaluation is over half of my overall scoring i think it's about 60 70 percent and if you're just going off combine numbers you're going to have bust every year you know that's that's the al davis style and that that leads to a lot of mispicks. yeah i saw a lot of uh videos of people saying that uh al davis was rising from his grave when he saw ross's 40 time it was incredible when Ross's 40 time actually happened. I was sitting in the media room because those the field drills happen earlier in the day than the, uh, the media portions, just so we can, you know, kind of pay attention to that. And it was incredible. I thought he got hurt at first because I wasn't looking and it's just everyone, it started to like getting really loud and chattery in it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what happened? And I look up and I see Ross, you know, grabbing his leg. I'm like, Oh, of course Ross got hurt because he's had, you know, two meniscus injuries, microfracture surgery, ACL surgery, shoulder surgery, so I'm like, oh, well, there goes Ross. <laughs> but then I'm looking on Twitter and everything. I mean, he's like, oh, 422. Four, 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 well, crud. That's pretty damn incredible. He should have not gotten the cramp, cramps and then switched to Adidas shoes for a second one and then run it. Because, you know, then you're just playing for, with house money. You already have the 422. But if you can break it in those Adidas and get that island, 
Screw football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of guessing Nike's going to have a nice little bonus for him that might be worth yeah. about an island's worth of money, but so I think he'll be okay. Yeah, and he's about to get drafted pretty high because of that, so I think he'll be okay from that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, are there any events that maybe for you means mean zero when it comes to, to the draft or to, to the combine? Any events that mean zero? I don't think any event means zero but based on your position there are some events that matter more you know like does the bench press matter more for an offensive lineman than a running back of course does the 40 yard dash matter more for a wide receiver than a defensive lineman of course so it just it's based on the position that they play and uh, I guess their overall body type and how they're going to be playing in the NFL I would say probably the least important one that as far as transitioning to the NFL, though, is probably bench press because that's kind of an interesting movement and only one, you know, one type of strength that it shows. So I'm not as big on the bench press. I think the bench press more shows about guys and their ability to take training seriously, you know, because you can train and get pretty good at that bench press. But if you're not taking it seriously, it's going to show. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, you can see the players that have worked hard to train up for this, that have the the great technique. You know, I'm thinking of uh, Olufolu. Um, you saw him in the the broad jump, you know, just his ability to push his feet forward and get those extra few inches at the very end of it. I mean, that was that was impressive. And, and like I said, you can see that kind of training come through. Gosh, what a freak. I almost want him to play wide receiver. He's Julio Jones-like. I saw NFL uh, research today tweeted that he was like better vertical than Odell Beckham, faster than Devin Hester, more bench reps than Julio Jones or something like that. And I mean, talk about cementing yourself at the combine. What's up with those UConn guys? Byron Jones <laughs> a couple years ago and now Obi Melifonwu. Is there something in the water up there? People don't, don't really know. talk about that Husky program, but they got freaks. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's all they do in practice. You know, instead of working on football, they decide, let's just work on getting ready for the combine. They must. I mean, they just is there an Olympic training facility up there? I mean, it's not that far from Lake Placid. Maybe there's just maybe they're drinking that water. You know, yeah. there's greatness there ever since 1980. <laughs> well, there you go. That's it. We figured it out. <laughs> all right. Well, well, were there any uh, players that maybe surprised you, good or bad? I think it was you that brought the attention to me about uh, because I'm doing so much of the media stuff. I don't get a lot of the other things that are going on because I'm so tuned in about getting that story out. It's different because I was there as a media member, you know, not a scout. So it's a different kind of thought process and work because I was there to find a story with each player, you know, get down to some details on that. And because I already have a background on their scouting. So I'm not paying as much attention to the drills. I'm following because I'm a draft nut i mean you know that it's like 2 a.m i'll send you a thing like oh have you seen obi melifondria yet it's like december <laughs> yeah so, yeah i don't know how many times my wife asked me who is this nick guy that keeps messaging you it's <laughs> football man it's football yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i guess surprising uh, i have to say i was a little disheartened with the interview with malik mcdowell i have been his biggest supporter to the broncos at 20 because his tape, I mean, you see the tools at that size. And he showed it at the combine in the drills. I mean, what he's able to do with his length and just overall body type is, I mean, 
I don't want to say JJ Watt like, but that power and that agility with that length. I mean, he's a prototype five tech, you know, that just that perfect body build with that athleticism. But his interview was just not great. I was very excited to talk with him. And he, I don't know, he came off a little defiant, he came off like he didn't want to be there. And then I talked with some, uh, heard from some scouts as well. And I uh, heard this from a, another Bronco writer who's has better connections than I even do. Eight teams had taken him off their draft board because he was that bad in the interviews. Eight teams. So one fourth he's somebody of the that yeah. I could see him falling. Yeah, one-fourth of the league off the boards. Yeah, and that's, that's so, the teams that we know. You know, I, I would yeah, guess there's exactly. probably more that we don't even know have taken him off. So he's, he's one of those guys, I think you and I were talking about this earlier, that could be uh, – Oh, what's the player that played for Cincinnati that uh, had a first round grade? Perfect. perfect. That's it. Yeah. Had Vontae's a first round. Perfect. Yeah. Vontae's perfect. He had a first round grade probably heading into the combine. You know, I saw him mocked in the first round there. Um, at one point I saw him as a top 10 player mocked in, you know, a lot of, a lot of mocks had him top 10. And by the time the draft rolled around, he was undraftable. You know, I, I could yeah, see. I remember that. I do think he had a bad combine. Yeah, he did. So, I mean, that's the, the main difference between him and, and and McDowell. But still, you know, that's that's the kind of fall. You know, I, I don't think it'd be quite that extreme. I think he still will get drafted. But first round, I, I don't see him as a first round guy anymore. Yeah, after the interviews and just talking with some people, he's a guy who is a great athlete. But I'm not sure if he's a guy you want in your locker room. Yeah. So, Top five athlete in this in this draft, undraftable every other area of the draft. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, athleticism a lot of times trumps uh, character. We're going to see that with Joe Mixon going probably in the top two, three rounds in the draft. But uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch Mixon, and I. I don't know if I touch McDowell. If that's true, that kind of that really scares me. There's other guys, you know, like he's talented, but there are other players. I think the part for me that was so hard with McDowell was hearing that he was pretty much flat out telling teams, you know, I don't like to be coached. You know, I kind of like yeah. to just do and my own interview thing. In the and, press. Yeah. And I'm just going, what, how can a player say that? I mean, that's like the, the biggest red flag, like flashing in front of everybody right there. Yeah. He said that one of the Detroit writers asked him, you know, you have a very unique style with your hands, kind of a little wild, yada, yada, that kind of thing. And he said, but did that just happen or whatever? And McDowell said something along the lines of, yeah, the coaches tried to, you know, change it, whatever, but in the end it didn't take and they just let me do my thing. So, I mean, the coaches knew that he was having some issues with his hand technique and they tried to fix it. And in the end it was not worth fixing for them. I mean, he's very effective still because he is that good of an athlete, but in the NFL, it's going to take more than being a good athlete. You know, yeah. these are professionals. It's not, yeah. you're not going against interior linemen in the Big Ten. And I, I can't see Bill Kolar handling very well a guy not listening to him. Oh, man. <laughs> if he wrestled a bear, he can definitely take on any D lineman. <laughs> uh, but, all right, well, uh, we each came up with a, a list of, of five players or I guess even kind of position groups. We kind of we kind of cheated a little bit on some of this, but but a top five uh, of players that maybe made an impact for you, good or bad, at the combine. So you want to go through your top five here? Sure. Mine are not only five though, because I am long winded, 
and I always have a lot to say, <laughs> but I'll be quick. First guy I want to talk about was Utah's Garrett Bowles. Again, to my own heart, I wrote that mock draft back in November on a different site. It was a fan post, and then Mile I Huddle saw how wonderful I am and said, hey, do you want to write for us instead? So I said, sure. Um, but I wrote a mock draft, and I selected Garrett Bowles in the first round of the Broncos, and everyone was like, who the heck is Garrett Bowles? And I was like, just watch this kid. He's a great athlete. He's mean. He can run block. And he has a very high ceiling as a pass blocker just because he is that athletic. I wrote that before I knew he was going to be 25 years old. <laughs> I was just doing it based on tape. However, he showed at the combine that the athleticism is is definitely there. He was 6'5", 297, uh, 34-inch wingspan or arm length. He ran a sub-540 with a 28-inch vertical, 115-inch broad jump, and a 7.293 cone. So overall, just one of the best tackles we've seen athletically tested in a while. I compared him in between Jason Spriggs and Lane Johnson. He's not as strong or as big as Lane Johnson, and I think he's a little better than Jason Spriggs. So I'd expect him to go probably end of round one, and he's definitely an option for the Broncos at 20. And I know the Broncos have spoken with him and I think are strongly considering him. Another guy that I wanted to touch out was Cam Robinson of Alabama. Some people are saying this kid's a guard because he's not that good of an athlete. He has bad feet. I understand film is, like I said, film is much more important. But he showed at the combine that he is more than just, you know, an Eric Flowers or a DJ Fluker. He has some athleticism. He can move. And for 6'6", 322 pounds with 35 and a half inch arm length, I mean, he's, he was my offensive tackle number one going into the combine. And he cemented himself. And for most of the people that I talked with, they think he's probably going to go top 15. He'll be the first offensive tackle taken top 15, maybe even top 10 based wow. on some of the, uh, the murmurs. People would not be surprised. The, the team that uh, I heard mentioned about him a couple times was the Chargers. So we'll see. But I think he's probably, he definitely has the highest ceiling as a blocker. And if you're running a power scheme, he is the power blocking tackle in this class. So I'm really hoping Denver has a chance at him at 20. I can't say how he uh, interviewed with the teams and did on the whiteboard, but just f- as far as a power-blocking tackle, give me that guy. Uh, Connor McDermott, somebody also needs a shout-out. He had a great combine as well, very athletic. He got owned by Miles Garrett, but if you're looking for some tools, McDermott's a guy who could develop into a solid player. This guy I wanted to touch on is Christian McCaffrey, and I don't know if I'm there yet, but I'm very close to having him be my running back two on the board after Dalvin Cook's horrible combine, along with fumbling issues and shoulder issues and character issues. McCaffrey, I did get to see a little bit of his drills. I mean, he had a three cone that was in the 90th, 97th percentile, sub 4540, so he is a good mover. He is small. He's very small. He's, I think he's in like the fifth, underneath the fifth percentile in his height and his weight and his arm length and his hand size. Or at least they're all very low. And he also only put up 10 reps at the bench press. Granted, that's not as big of a deal for him. However, he's somebody who doesn't run with much power and he's going to need to run with a little more power if he's going to stick in the NFL. So that's worth noting. But after his performance at the combine, as well as taking into account character, and McCaffrey's a guy who's going to work harder than anybody. So I think he's in play at 20. He's not my favorite. I was arguing all day with some people that I don't think he's not the guy at 20. He's not the guy. But if we took him at 20, depending on how we do day two, I'd be okay with it. (laughs) That's I had to throw a little caveat out there. (laughs) Next guy I want to talk about is 
Ole Miss tight end slash wide receiver Evan Ingram. He ran a 4-4-2-40 at 6'3", 234 pounds. So he's more of a huge wide receiver or that Jordan Reed type tight end. But what a mismatch weapon. His 36-inch vertical, 125-inch broad jump, a 6.923 cone, and a 4.23 20-yard shuttle. He's kind of, you know, a tweener between tight end and wide receiver. But if he's there at 51, I would do a backflip if we could grab him. I do love about him. He's not a great blocker. He shows the desire to block, which I think matters a lot. Now, some people are all about Bucky Hodges because Bucky Hodges did test very well. Bucky Hodges couldn't block the sun from his eyes. That dude has no <laughs> desire to be physical. I was reading a – seriously, yeah, no, it's like horrible. I was reading a uh, a post about him. He only had seven inline blocks – or seven inline snaps this entire year. How is that guy a tight end? That's not a tight end. So, I don't know. I like Ingram a little more. Just quickly want to touch on, we talked a little bit about DJ Jones and Eddie Vanderdose having good combines, but yeah, a little bit more than five guys on my end, but <laughs> gosh, Dan, I've been there the whole week and I've just had all these, all these thoughts and all these players to watch. So yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of fun. No, glad you got to share all that with us. Cause yeah, that that's, that's the fun part is just getting to see all these players. You know, it's, it's an even playing field for everybody. Everybody's tested the same at their position. And so just getting to see how they compare to uh, to everybody else is kind of nice. Um, so good list there. And well, my, my list, I'm not going to go quite into to the detail you did there, but my, my first one, I, I went for a, a couple disappointing and then some really good ones as well here. But Dalvin Cook, you hinted at it a little bit earlier. Terrible combine. For a guy that's considered a first-round pick, yeah, it, it, it's it's sad to see the, the combine that he had. Um, I'm not going to read a whole lot into it until I see him do the exact same thing at his at his pro day. You know, I, I think I think he could be one of those guys that has a really nice bounce back pro day and and shows why he's considered a first round running back. But after that combine, yeah, there's got to be a lot of questions about what's going on of why he didn't show as well. I mean, you, you see you see the explosion on tape. But when you don't see it at the combine, it's just kind of like, what <laughs> what happened here? Where did that go? And and then you add in, you know, you hinted at it earlier, of just some character questions that he maybe hangs out with a pretty bad crowd. You know, then there, there are some questions about his game, too. You know, he's one that doesn't run with a lot of power. Um, you know, he kind of goes down. If you get him wrapped up in a tackle, he's not going to break through it. And he you fumbles know, not, so much. Yeah, fumbles. You got injury concerns. You know, there's just some things going on there that after a combine like that, I wouldn't be surprised to see him drop quite a bit. It's not the fact that he tested horribly. It's that he tested horribly and was tiny. Yeah. Small and a mediocre athlete. Yeah. You add all that together and it's, yeah, it's, it's not great. Um, And then for me, Alabama players, you know, it's it's I guess I should say two Alabama players because um, there's more than that at the combine right now, because, you know, there's others. that I think there's like 50 percent of the field was Alabama. players. <laughs> Alabama or Michigan, one of the two. Uh, yeah. good, good chance you're getting one of those two. Uh, but no, mostly two guys. Reuben Foster, I think most people know by now, had a terrible incident with a, a medical professional. Something happened. I, I don't know what all went down, but it sounds like at some point he kind of pulled the, uh, do you know who I am? And, nah, you know, yeah, and, and you know, if anybody's ever had that happen to them, I've had that happen one time. Uh, Freeman, who played for K-State, quarterback, went to Tampa Bay. 
Uh, I was working at a place and he came in and he didn't have all the stuff that he needed. And he came up to me and he was just like, well, do you know who I am? And I said, nope. Uh, and he just gave me a look like, oh my gosh, how could you, you know? And, and yeah, I was just like, oh my gosh, you are a jerk. So yeah, you know, that kind of thing. You're at the combine, you're surrounded by people who most people know who they are. You know, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stars there. It's not just you. And yeah. so for him to pull something like that, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a little bit of a red flag. It's not enough for me to yeah. sit here and say like, if he's there at 20, I'm going, you run to that podium Elway. But, <laughs> but otherwise, and, and he did measure in a little bit small, you know, he was 228 pounds for an inside linebacker. You know, that's a little bit on the small side. I know some of these guys, you know, you got to be careful with weights at the combine just because some of these guys will cut weight to look better or add weight. You know, there's always some of that stuff going on. Um, so you got to be careful with some of that. But still, just a, a little red flag that makes you have a little bit of hesitation. And and then, of course, Jonathan Great. Allen. Um, there might not have been anybody that had a, a tougher combine, in my opinion. Um, just hearing about his shoulder issues that has become a huge red flag that he has arthritis in both shoulders. You know, he already had questions about some shoulder injuries before he came to the combine. And then you add that on top of it. And then you add in, he just didn't, it's not that he tested terrible. It's just that not what you thought he was going to test at. You know, when you watch the tape and you see this explosive athlete, kind of like Dalvin cook and, and you watch it and he runs, you know, five, five flat 40, you know, he puts up 21 reps on, on the bench, 30 inch vertical, you know, it just, there was nothing that just stood out like, okay, this is what you can hang your hat on and say, yep. Okay. This shows he's that explosive athlete. It, it just, it was, it, it was an average combine for him. I've heard that he might fall between 12 and 17 now after a bad combine showing. Yeah. And, and he's one, I mean, I always kind of like those guys that fall after the combine. Cause like you said, tape matters the most. And, and so him being in a position that the Broncos need, I wouldn't mind trading up for him. You know, I, I think it would depend he, on the shoulders, but I agree. Right. Right. Yeah. You gotta, gotta worry about that a little bit of how much, um, but if he's still being considered a first round pick, people are seeing that he's going to last at least a little bit in the league. Agreed. And so then my, my third guy is uh, Chris Godwin wide receiver from Penn state. This is not a guy that I've really watched a whole lot of. And, and that's kind of a little bit of this for me is, is some of this combine is some of these later round players um, that, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to scout every single player that's going to get drafted. There's just not enough time in the day to, to do that, especially just as, you know, you and I are fans. Um, you know, this isn't something that we, we get paid to go and just watch tape all day long kind of thing. But yet, yet yes, <laughs> someday uh, for those who are listening, you know, but <laughs> Anyway, he he's one of those guys that when he puts up the numbers that he did, it just makes you go, okay, I need to go watch this kid, see what he's really about. And you know, he he didn't have the most the explosive season or anything like that, um, but he he still shows a lot of potential when you watch his tape. And so then when you add that with running a four four two forty, you know, nineteen reps on on the bench, not not the greatest. But then you go to 36-inch vertical, 126-inch broad jump, uh, almost a seven-flat three-cone, and then a four-second 20 shuttle. I mean, he was fastest in the 20 shuttle of all wide receivers. 
And, and you see some of those numbers and you just go, man, this guy, he could be something. I mean, the, the, the athletic ability is there. So, you know, just a guy that, that's worth taking a chance on and just seeing if you can maximize that athleticism. Yeah, Chris Godwin is actually a, a me being in Big Ten country. I got to see him a little bit in the uh, Big Ten championship game and watching him in the Rose Bowl. And he's somebody that I don't know how he does it, but he comes down with 50-50 balls 80% of the time. He's kind of got that Steve Smith smaller my ball or I'm going to bite your hand off mentality. <laughs> and he's somebody that I am. He's could go beginning of round three, even though he's not, you know, a huge guy or anything like that. But after that combine and people are going to dig into that tape, the way he's able to have that my ball mentality, especially over the middle. And yeah. I, I just, I think he could rise. Yeah. And for the Broncos, you know, that's something we need. That's something we've missed big time is having that middle presence that, a quarterback can trust that when he throws it over the middle, his guy's coming down with it. So that would be a really nice player to add to, to this roster for sure. Okay. All right. So moving on to my fourth guy and maybe you, you probably actually have a better idea of who this guy is than I do. George Kittle tied in from Iowa. Go Hawks. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, but another guy that just had an incredible combine, you know, for, you know, for a tight end position that is loaded and for him to be able to stand out among those tight ends is saying something, you know, running a four five two forty, 35 inch vertical, 132 inch broad jump. You know, he didn't finish top of any event, but he was always right there. It seemed like with all the, you know, the other top guys and, and with his size being right there around that 250 pound range, you know, six, four, two fifty. um, you know, just another guy that just really did a lot for himself. He he didn't get the opportunities really at Iowa. And I think I've read somewhere that he had a, a foot injury. Is Am I correct on that? He's had multiple injuries. Okay. Yeah, he's had multiple injuries. So he's missed a few games dinged up here and there. Okay. So that, that's hurt his draft stock a lot and just not gotten him the opportunities to, to go show what he can do. But, you know, for, you know, mid late round guy, you know, I I, I hope the Broncos take two tight ends in this draft. It is that loaded, and yeah. it's a position that we need There's just an influx of talent to come into there. And so, you know, if we take, say, Howard round one, Kittle round two, uh, or not round two, sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. He, hasn't got, he hasn't gotten that high. But, I mean, as a second tight end later, um, you know, I think that could be a, a great thing for the Broncos just to have that influx of talent. Yeah, I agree. This is a – Stacked tight end class. I mean, we haven't even got a chance to talk about some of those guys. Like Gerald Everett had a great combine. Jonu Smith, uh, boiling hot take. He could go highest round three. Yeah, I know you're boiling hot take on him. Was that too soon? (laughs) Yeah, I think your what was it? Your video when you got done with the combine, um, where you were saying your your first three rounds that he was your third round guy that you would take. Um, So yeah. you can't go wrong hardly taking any tight end in this draft, it seems like. They all have some kind of skill Agreed. set that you can work with. And then my my final guy, uh, TJ Watt. You know, this guy, he's gotten a lot of attention, mostly because of his name. You know, that's what everybody talks about. Oh, J.J. Watt's brother. and Or, you know, his, his other brother is playing for, for the Chargers right now as a fullback. Um, so just a, a football family. But – you know, I, I think he's 
starting to make a name for himself. You know, he's still a very raw prospect. When he went to Wisconsin, he went there as a tight end. And then he redshirted his first year. Then he had a knee injury his second year. And and so he just he, he's never had that opportunity to to really shine. And then his one year, he steps in and, you know, gets 11 and a half sacks, quite a few tackles for loss. Um, so just a, a really solid season for a guy that's been making this adjustment from tight end to, to outside linebacker, defensive end kind of area. And, you know, just looking at his combine, you know, he finished first or second in vertical jump, broad jump, three cone drill and short shuttle. First or second among all linebackers, you know, that that's that's saying something about just the athleticism that this kid actually has. Yeah, he tore it up and I've not taking him round one because he is so raw, at least in the top 20. But his potential is pretty darn high. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. No, I, I've been higher on his his playing partner uh, at, there at Wisconsin. Um, his name's escaping me right now. Vince Beagle. Vince Beagle. Yeah, you interviewed him. And uh, yes, I, I, I enjoyed watching his tape. You know, he's just been a very consistent, great player. And he comes from that farming family. So for me, you know, growing up farming community. So it's, I've always kind of gone towards those kind of guys, but yeah, just Wisconsin had a great one, two punch with those two coming off the edge. Do you hear that huddle up listeners? Carl's the farm boy from Kansas, the Iowa boys from the city. How's that sound? (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) All right, Carl. Well, we got about 10, 15 minutes left here on my watch. I think we should cover some of the uh, the top off-ball linebackers. We talked a little bit about Reuben Foster earlier, some of the uh, concerns about him, but you got a quick little synopsis about him? Yeah. He is 6'1", 228 pounds. He won the Butkus Award uh, for top linebacker in all of college football. He is a missile on the field. I mean, you watch this guy, and, and, and he won't be on the screen, and all of a sudden he just – flies out of nowhere to make the hit on the running back. So just, just, I mean, I wish he was able to test at the combine because I think he would have tested off the charts with his speed and and agility and stuff like that. But um, aggressive player that just wants to get downhill, wants to hit people, you know, that was one of his weaknesses or one of the bad things about his game is, is he actually does have kind of a pretty bad injury history. And part of that is, is he just plays so physical you know, that that kind of contact, it actually leads to, to some injuries. And so, I mean, that's, that's one thing you have to really worry about with him. But, oh, man, just imagining this guy with his attitude, with his edge that he plays with alongside, you know, uh, Aqib Tlaib, Von Miller, uh, Brandon Marshall, you know, all these kind of guys that play with an edge. And adding him to that, man, I I would love it. Yeah, he has been a guy that I've been very high on. I am kind of sad about his issues that he had at the Combine. But honestly, something that I don't think enough people are talking about, he did weigh in at 228, which is a little small for anything besides a weak side linebacker and a 4-3. But he also made a comment where he likes playing at this lighter weight because he doesn't ache all the time in his knees and his ankles. And that that's a comment to me that, is a red flag. So he's somebody I would still take him at 20, uh, depending on, you know, interviews and everything that's said <laughs> based on his combine incident. But I, I, that kind of concerned me 
and it should concern every team. Yeah, like I said, I mean, his his style of play is it's going to lead to some injuries along the way. And so you, you got to take the really, really good with some really, really bad with this guy. When you say injuries, do you mean for him or for the guys he's tackling? Both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's – I think in the, the national championship game, I think everybody thought he had knocked out uh, – oh, my goodness, I'm blanking on names here. Uh, was Watson. it Scott? No, Watson. It was Watson. Yeah, that he had – um, you know, that he had that one hit that Watson just laid there on the ground for a little bit there in the in the first half, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, he's done. And he got up and, you know, played an amazing second half. So kudos to him for, for doing that. But, again, just that's the kind of um, intensity that you get from a guy like Foster. And that's the type of thing where, you know, offenses just hate playing guys like that. You know, when you have to spend that extra hour or so in the ice bath after a game because of some of the hits this guy lays on you, you hate playing it. Yeah, you got to hate that. And I think he'll probably still end up a top 15 pick. He's just too talented of a player on tape. And if he falls within Denver's range, and if he's at 20, I mean, he's a plug-and-play guy for the next 10 years if he can stay healthy. So I'm a big fan. I didn't get to interview him because he was kicked out (laughs) of the combine. But still... Guy that you have to like. A lot of fun to watch. A guy that I did get to talk with uh, quickly was uh, six foot four, 230-pound All-American Zach Cunningham out of Vanderbilt. He is a guy that I feel like I was higher on earlier than I am now. Um, he's a very good athlete. He moves pretty well side to side, which is big for a guy who's that huge. Uh, he has instincts to be a sideline to sideline guy as well as the athleticism. I think he does need some work in terms of his fluidity and coverage, but just because of his length and just overall athleticism, he's a very good candidate for zone coverage. He'll need some work in man, I think, especially if you're going to have his back ever to the line of scrimmage. But he, he has the potential to get better there. And it's one thing I love when watching him is his ability to sift through garbage. He doesn't get off blocks the best, but when he's moving through just the, as like we like to say, the garbage of the offensive line uh, during stretch plays or anything to the outside or even up the middle, he can sift through it, find the ball carrier, and deliver a tackle. Now that said, his tackling form is not great. Not my favorite. He puts his head down too many times. He is a bad about, you know, just he's too happy to arm tackle. And that's something he's going to have to clean up. I believe he had over 60 missed tackles this last year. So, I mean, if you're going to get a lot of tackles, but he's going to have some issues as well. Yeah, that's that's something I noticed too is just he had one of the weirdest tackling techniques I've seen for an inside linebacker. He kind of just went off to the side and kind of wrapped his arms around him and just kind of swung him to the ground. You know, there was no sound, hey, you put your shoulder in their chest and drive them to the ground. I, I didn't see a lot of those. I didn't see the big hit um, that you see with some of these other guys like, you know, Gerard Davis that we're going to talk about here and, and, and Reuben Foster. You know, those guys, they lower their shoulder and, and drive a guy to the ground. And Cunningham's just not that guy. Yeah, agreed. All right, Carl. Well, we are getting a little long here, and we have – uh, tornado warning sirens going off where I'm at right now. So we should probably wrap up these last two off ball linebackers before 
the power goes out here on my end. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, That's Mother Nature, right. calling it, calling it yeah. short here. You're from yeah. Kansas. You know all about those. Oh, yeah. Half our, state, half our state's on fire right now, so. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jared Davis, he's a guy that I got to speak with at the Combine, and gosh, every, they're not lying about his character. He's a guy who makes you want to run through a wall. Very intelligent, a lot of energy when he talks, just very excited to be there. He's explosive. He hits hard with good technique, and he blocks, uh, block, sheds blocks pretty well and does decent in coverage. I just love his motor. He's a great, great player. He's a little small, and he does sometimes get a little overaggressive in his angles and how he attacks the ball carriers and makes himself vulnerable to some injuries because of how he hits. But if he stayed healthy this last year, he could be an argument for linebacker one, I think. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the big thing. And, you know, my notes say injuries, 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 because that just seems to be the main knock on him is, you know, he just he gets going good and everything's looking great. He's looking like the most explosive linebacker in college football. And then he goes down with an injury or he gets nicked over up and over again. Yeah. And, and that's just a pattern that gets set. And with his style of play, that's not going to be something that goes away. So you're, yeah. you're just going to have to watch out for that and realize good chance at some point he's going to go down with an injury if you draft him. Agreed. Uh, I'd still take him in the second round if he fell to us, though. And I was flabbergasted. They had him at a kid's table. They had him at the kid's table. Normally they put the best players at the podiums, and they had his teammate, Alex Anzalone, who's a good player, don't get me wrong, at a podium, and they had Jared Davis at a table. I was like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> yeah, they, they might have reversed those on accident because there's no way that should have happened. No way. No way. So the last guy we're going to talk about is one of my favorites. I've written about him a couple times. Uh, linebacker, former cornerback, former edge rusher, Hassan Reddick of Temple. Can you give me a quick synopsis before I get blown away by this tornado? <laughs> All right. Uh, 6'2", 237 pounds. Like you said, college started off as a cornerback. And in high school, he was a running back and safety. And then he transitioned to edge rusher. And then he went to a position that I call the, the Joker linebacker, you know, where they, they lined him up all over the place his final year. Um, you know, they had him rushing from the inside. They had him dropping off in coverage. They just had him kind of doing a little bit of everything. And he, he was still able to make 22 and a half tackles for loss and 10 and a half sacks. But, you know, that part of that is he's just he's so explosive. He has decent strength. He has good change of direction ability. He's smart. Uh, he's got good read and reactability. I mean, just everything you're looking for in a linebacker. You and I were talking earlier this week about uh, him being like Clay Matthews, just a guy you can line up anywhere and just say, go make a play. And that's what he does. So, you know, just both of ours, both of us have him as one of our favorite players, one of the guys we would, wouldn't mind seeing the Broncos take at 20. Um, cause I, I think he is one of those plug and play for the next 10, 10 years and you're going to love him. Yeah, I would absolutely spend a 20th pick on him. He's just the answer to what's happening in offenses right now. You got tight ends who are too athletic for linebackers. Hassan Reddick can cover them. You got running backs who are flexing out wide and creating mismatches, uh, in the passing game. Hassan Reddick can cover them. You need a guy who can, you know, blitz up the A gap or, you know, cause some chaos in different blitz packages, even kicking to edge rusher in sub, uh, like nickel and dime packages. Hassan Reddick can do that. And he seems like a great kid as well. I've got to interview him. 
And I'm not one to take a linebacker normally in the first round, but I love this kid. Yeah. Yeah. You only do that if they check every single box out there. And he pretty much checks every single box out there. Um, you know, he, he had, he has great tape. He did amazing at the senior bowl and then just exploded at the combine. So everything that you're looking for, this kid has for you. All right. Well, that will wrap up episode three of our draft focus huddle up podcast. Cannot wait to dive more into this combine tape. You know, we got some new players to dig into after some great combine performances and some guys that maybe we were a little too high on tease Tabor and that will drop down boards a little bit. Um, but yeah, we're just draft season is here. Everyone tune in with your questions. We're here to answer all of them. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH. And you can find myself as well on my new Twitter handle at Nick Kendall MHH, as well as find our Denver Bronco draft articles. We're going to be starting up a new series called Finding Broncos, where uh, it's not a new series for Mile Eye Huddle, but it's a new series for Carl and I, where we're going to be digging in a little bit more with some scouting reports about some specific players and where we think they fit with the Broncos and just some overall scouting reports. And that'll be on Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of scout.com. You should follow the Huddle Up podcast by just subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Mile High Huddle. Again, please be sure to rate and subscribe how you enjoy it. If we talk a little bit too much about the Midwest in Iowa and Kansas, we'll maybe talk about mountains next time. I don't know. (laughs) For Carl Dumbler, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up this episode of the new Huddle Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and as this tornado blows me away, hopefully we will see you next week. Mile high huddle. I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers. Avoid upfront fees that cripple businesses with IBM Cloud. Bare Metal on IBM Cloud rents out dedicated servers by the hour or month. Customize over 11 million different configurations. Deploy on demand. Get unlimited inbound bandwidth, plus 24-7 support and 20 terabytes of outbound bandwidth cost-free. And when's the last time you checked IBM Cloud bare metal prices? They're now more comparable than ever. The better bare metal is IBM Cloud. Visit ibm.biz slash bare metal servers today and see for yourself.